laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Who huh? should have this person locked up and looked at? Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Murs and David Horning on this week's episode. As we all know as writers, when you're sitting there trying to write something, it's, it's like it's like when you got whiskey dick and you're trying to get hard. Like The more you think about it, the more it's not coming. Let's be honest. Work sucks. There's a reason we don't look forward to Monday mornings and we look forward to Friday nights. But what if we could change that? That's why there's water cooler comedy. Did you know that incorporating humor into your work makes you more creative, more innovative, and more collaborative? Well, that's why we bring in professional comedians to break up the monotony of the work week with a fun comedy show. Or you can bring in a keynote speaker to share new ideas for how to incorporate humor into the everyday activities of the workplace. Or we have a program called Creative Kickoffs, where we start your day, your meeting, your Monday by bringing your team together with improv exercises and fun team building activities. It's water cooler comedy. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at Comedy Cooler, on Instagram at Water Cooler Comedy, and on our website at watercoolercomedy.org because work is the time and place to laugh. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is David Horning. And I'm Steve Murders. And we are joined today by the very funny John Armstrong. Woo! Hi, I'm John Armstrong. And he's just going to swoop in with some uh, some non sequiturs. And uh, sound effects throughout. Ooh, look at you with the big words. Yeah, <laughs> it's I don't like, even know if that applies here. <laughs> it's like a Migos song, <laughs> but no audio. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted two chains to like incorporate some of his because he, he's a smart dude. Yeah, know? I want to see him. Surprisingly, yeah. it's a lot of rappers like that. You hear them talk, and you're like, "Wow, <laughs> you talk as proper as I do." He's got a PhD <laughs> in psychology. Yeah, you know, what? Yeah, <laughs> what are talking about. Yeah, um, we're not here to talk about rappers today. Uh, typically, Steve and I. Uh, this is a show called "You Can't Laugh at That," and typically we talk about taboo topics, uh, things that would make. Your mother cringe. And typically we laugh at that. And yeah, we laugh at that. We find ways to laugh at it. And uh, today we're going to take a topic that has been done to death by comedians from all all sides of the spectrum. Uh, it's a matter from, of how you approach it. It's a matter of how you approach it. And uh, so we're going to find new ways to laugh at relationships. Yes. And uh, we have with us, I actually just worked uh, with him on a show this week. And uh, once again, he's got a bit on relationships that always kills, and uh, it's a, it's it's a fresh, t- it's a nuanced take on relationships. But first, before we kind of get into that, we're going to. Uh, he was happy enough to provide us with a clip. Oh, really? We got to do the clip first. Oh, we're gonna jump right into this, man. Damn boy. it, man! All right, let's <laughs> give us something to talk about. Um, yeah, so this is this is one of the first times you did comedy. Uh, this was my first few months in, and it was a contest at uh, Funny Stop. I was still, <laughs> not that I found it, I was still looking for my voice and trying to see what I wanted to do as far as with comedy, and I was noticing a lot of this stuff with my girlfriend kind of came easy, and I would just 
be talking about it and it would be something funny. So I was like, you know, they say tell the truth. You don't have it's easier to remember. And I, it would resonate. And I was trying to walk a fine line too because, uh, like, okay, so I'm in a relationship. Uh, my girlfriend happens to be white. No, I'm not the black dude who seeks out white women. It just kind of happened like that. But, uh, so there's so much stuff in that that at first I didn't want to even deal with it because it came off as just kind of hacky. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is you. You're in a relationship. Why why try to act like it isn't what it is? You know what I mean? Like, no matter who you date, white, black, male, female, there are always going to be certain underlying common things in there. So I just started putting that into some of the comedy. This first one at the funny stop, this is just about some of the things that I realized as far as subtle differences when you date uh, interracially, especially when it comes to sex, which, uh, surprise, it really isn't that much different once you get the first couple of like <laughs> piss off your dad fucks out of the way <laughs> once you get that out of the way it's it's all the same dude. <laughs> women are women and men are unfortunately i think that's the sad part about that everybody men women like black white racist or not would be kind of disappointed with is unfortunately we're a lot alike man <laughs> oh you don't say <laughs> no I, I mean, I, of course yeah. i mean that sarcastically right, right. but everybody yeah. you know i'm not trying to be all kumbaya and shit like hey let's fucking hold hands and shit but yeah every man thinks they invented let me put the tip in you know yeah. every <laughs> like we're, we all do the same dumb shit it's yeah. just whose filter comes through and who's Willing to like, I guess as comedians, we're more apt to like, hey, hey, by the way, I was blah, blah, blah. So, what, what are we going to get into this uh, clip and then we're going to talk about the clip? A little bit. I started dating back in the 90s, like mid to late 90s, and a lot has changed since then. One of the things that I noticed that changed is back then it was hard to get a blowjob from a girl. <laughs> girls nowadays are pretty freaky. You can't, uh, but back then, you couldn't get away with that. And I don't know if this is just me, this is just everything through my filter, but this is how it was in my life. And uh, you know how they have that baseball analogy, how it's like first base is a kiss, second base you get the titties, like third base, you get a little head, and then home you finally get sex. Well, back for me in the 90s when you were dating, especially a black woman, you ain't get no head at third base or even at home. As a matter of fact, getting head from a black woman back in the 90s was more like pitching a no-hitter. <laughs> very rare, and it was epic if it did happen. Matter of fact, if you felt it happening by the eighth inning, it's like, don't say nothing to mess this up. <laughs> so, but throughout my, uh, as I started dating some more, you start noticing differences in women. And the third base analogy did actually apply to white girls. Once you got the third base, that, that actually hooked you up. But, but, uh, as time went on, I noticed even that started changing. You didn't even have to be on third base. Pretty much, it got to the point to where getting head from a white girl was like being walked by the pitcher. I see you swinging at it a few times, and they're like, oh, he didn't try it a few times. Just go ahead and throw him the ball. More of a consolation prize at that point. <laughs> so as I progressed through dating, I started noticing that like a black woman would give you sex before she blows you, but a white woman would blow you before she has sex with you. So I started realizing all the differences. And it's not that white women are more freaky or that black women are prudes. It's just that I think 
to white women, they didn't care. And as far as black women went, they just don't do that one-sided street shit. Like, <laughs> if you are showing up with them, they like, I'm gonna be fully engaged. Like, my baby mama used to hit me with that. She's like, I ain't just gonna be sucking dick. <laughs> like, we go at least 69. We going to Ain't leaving here with a mouthful of comfort. <laughs> but, uh, I now though, 2016 is obviously has uh, equaled out because all these girls are freaks now. These lucky bastards running around. I wish I had a different <laughs> It's like neck and neck. At this point, I think girls are equally as freaky because you can have a black girl and a white girl and they both do the same thing. It's to the point now where black girls are out here licking butt just so these nephews <laughs> won't out freaking in the bedroom. <laughs> you ain't gonna get me. I'm Jesus, uh, that needs some polishing. I hey, and that's early though. But dude, that was really funny. That baseball <laughs> analogy, man. The yeah. no hitter. Like, yeah. I mean, that came to me one time in the in the in the living room because I was uh, we were just I was just joking around with my girlfriend and shit, and I was like, yeah, I was some, and I was like, yeah, that, it it didn't happen like that. It was rare. It was like, uh, it was like pitching a no hitter, and then it was like, oh, light bulb. <laughs> that's comedic writing, right there. <laughs> yeah. Take it, take it literally further. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was. It's it one of those things where it's walking the line, kind of. You know what we're getting at with this podcast is. Some of it is like, oh, dude, this has been done before, and it's really low-lying. But if you can find a unique way through it, plus the underlying truth of it. I mean, okay, every joke doesn't have to be true. I mean, we can make shit up, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. But if you are coming from a true place, and it's a new, unique take on this thing, I mean, that's why it resonates. That's why if you have a funny fart joke, it will always be funny, even though it's a fart joke, you know? Yeah. Because certain things just resonate, so... And and honestly, I was super new, and I was just... <laughs> laugh at me. I said dick and pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's that's some of it. But it was... That, that attack there was, yeah, it was a way of making uh, an analogy with uh, a white versus black and then you know the baseball thing was a kind of a cool different thing because i'm not a sports person you know i know surface level bullshit to, to talk to people yeah was that your first set no no oh, i was okay. uh i was gonna say it was pretty good that, that <laughs> was a that was a couple that was a couple months in but that was honestly the first time i did that i i the way i used to do shit is i would write stuff and i would I would always do new stuff, and I yeah. would write stuff. And I still kind of do that, but I have my like go to shit that I go to. I just I just have this thing where like we always see each other, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then it's so many ideas that I want to explore, and we only get so much stage time. Right. And so it bec- if I got a laugh off of something, then I put it in the corner. I was like, okay, that's okay. I can use that. What else can get a laugh? And and that's why things come and go, like uh, uh, like we were talking about the Star Wars thing. I, I I did that, and I put it away, and I did it, I put it away. And then I just kind of played with it again uh, on Wednesday at Winchester, and I want to do something with it because uh, you got that last one of the trilogy coming out. It's relevant. And, and these nerds are going to be pissed off when it, <laughs> when it subverts their expectations. Piss them off. It's always, it's just funny to do, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think I tell a lot of people. I think me starting late in comedy helped because you just have more mm-hmm. life experience. So Absolutely, it's not some special thing I'm doing, dude. It's just, it's just. Um, I always bring this up because I'm a big rap fan. Uh, 
and Jay-Z just turned 50 years old. But he talks about that. His first album came out when he was 26, which is still you're young, but for rappers, a lot of people come out 17, 18, 19, and he was like, he just, he'd been writing this album his whole life. So a lot of it that came out that felt so so real it was just like it's just been sitting there i've just been needing to spit it out you know these real life experiences well i I mean you were talking about how uh it kind of came up in conversation with your girlfriend yeah yeah um do you find that when you're in conversation with with people and you think of something funny in that comment you say in the conversation and they laugh do you like mentally store that away like okay i'm gonna work on that yes and no like sometimes it'll that'll happen there's another relationship joke i think we're going to get into and that's how that came to be but yes and no because at a certain point people especially us as comics you can feel somebody working on a bit in a in a conversation, so it's like, dude, don't don't yeah. don't, don't guinea pig me. <laughs> you're a group of people, you're just like clap if you've ever gone to like, yeah, six you flags know, before. You can, what the fuck is you this can guy feel doing? Somebody monologuing you, <laughs> so I don't want to be that dude. And so, but but with us doing this after a while, I mean, you you do do that. You're like, oh shit, mental note. How can I remember that? Like. So some of it comes up in conversation. Some of it is just stuff that you want to talk about. And then uh, I have this thing, like uh, I was talking to a comic about this. Like you'll ha- I'll, you'll know what you want to do on stage, but I try to be loose to a, to, to a point to where uh, there's a certain energy on stage to where you can develop a tag. Now, you don't want to depend on that. You don't want to be, just be on stage lingering like, oh, it's going to fall out of the sky. But you do want to be open to that idea and open to like if this certain type of energy comes, I can go in that direction because uh, that's when a lot of the the truth comes out. You know, when you when everything is so rote, like verbatim, sometimes uh, you can talk yourself into a corner. You know what I mean? So I try to have like a good 80 percent of it. Yeah, but some of it is kind of like an outline. You ever hear how, like, uh, not that I'm anywhere like this, but, like, um, Larry David, he would talk about how he did Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he said it would be like he has the outline and he has the the premise and the arc of the story, but then he just lets the actors go in and then they just talk. That's how I do a lot of the sets. It's like I know where certain jokes and punchlines are, and you know the arc of it, but then you allow yourself some room to to do something while you're up there, and and not even and then it's not in this way of like ooh that's my creative process. I just found that that's where a lot of shit comes because I used to like with this set we just listened to. I would literally wake up, get a black cup of coffee, sit down and write, and that worked for a while. But but then sometimes, and as we all know as writers, when you're sitting there trying to write something, it's it's like. It's like when you got whiskey dick and you're trying to get hard, like the more you think about it, the more it's not coming. Right. You know what I mean? So I had to try to find a way to get into a space to where these ideas could come and it didn't feel so forced. And in a way, it's that walking without a net thing It's scary as fuck. But like, I mean, we got to go up there in front of people and these different rooms that we're in and all this different type of energy that you get, no matter how good some of my like, coffee table jokes would be if i didn't have that muscle to be able to turn on a dime and redirect the energy then that you're just there like flapping (laughs) like a fish out of a boat 
Yeah. Yep. And when they're not laughing, you're like trying to remember, like, what did I write next? Uh, I forget yes. what I wrote next. Shit. Shit. Yes. Uh, that's, that's my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, time is different for you up there. You know, it's like, a, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, you keep going back to like, it's got to be truthful. Like, it's got to be like, make you laugh in the moment. And uh, I mean, that's, that's so important, man. Uh, a lot of a lot of young comics, a lot of new comics, open micers will go up and then they'll be like, "Oh, I'm in a relationship and she's a bitch." <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like it, it, it's like okay, but give me context yeah. of how she's a bitch. Or I noticed too, like, um, and this isn't necessary. None of this is is set in stone, but sometimes it's like maybe paint yourself as a little. I, I know you don't want to be super self deprecating, but you do want to come across to a point to. If I am going to say my girlfriend's a bitch, it's not going to immediately turn people off. Like, well, this dude's an asshole. Like, if that's the first thing out of your mouth. That's why certain uh, Donald Trump jokes don't work, even if you're talking to a room full of lefties. Because it's like, hey, Donald Trump's a piece of shit. It's like, okay, well, let's... We know. Let's let's, <laughs> let's dial it back and see, well, how, how did you come to this obvious conclusion, you know? It's like somebody yelling that the sky is blue. Like, okay, all right, we're all on the same page. Where are you going with this? You know, we've so. heard this before, <laughs> right, right? Over and over and over again, right? But um, I think relationship stuff is is can be fun too because no matter where you work, you can you you can get it out, and you know there there doesn't need to be that much of a backup, or you know you don't need to do a premise about how the dynamics of a relationship. We we've all been there right. in some capacity, and then to like people who come out to the shows. A good portion of the audience is people dating, so and they're all, they're sitting there awkwardly, probably just argued in the car. So a lot of times that kind of loosens <laughs> them up. You know what I mean? All right, we'll go to your show. Yeah, half the time the only reason the couples are staring at you because they're fighting and they're like passive aggressively <laughs> ignoring each other. So if you could poke at, at certain relationship stuff, that I've heard that before, uh, a set I just did and. Then, my girlfriend liked when you said blah blah blah, and they're 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 both directly talking to me more than they're talking to each other. I'm like, wow, I hope you guys make it on the car ride home. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it just makes it fun. No, that's so funny though. I mean, but I don't have like I mean I'm in a relationship. I've been in a relationship about a year and a half, and yeah. I've had a couple like one liners, but not like I don't have a premise that's just like oh this is. A- this is hilarious, like, because it's never come to me like that. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, because I mean, like, it's like probably there, and you're you just you're just ignoring it. A lot yeah. of it's the is the little shit. The the one clip, if we get into it, the newer one I've been doing about um, how my girlfriend just leaves hair all around the apartment. That was one that partially came through a conversation I was talking to somebody, and it and I started to like it because when I would do it, it would really resonate with the audience. But it also it wasn't a sex joke. It wasn't. It had to do with race in a way, but that was just a little underlying thing. And and um, it just, it felt good to have this thing that's so common, but people don't talk about it. And for it to feel, you get this visceral reaction, but it's not, it's not like, you know, I was fucking this bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it was, and, and that's the, uh, and I'm trying to pivot out of that space to where every, every joke doesn't have to have either. Because I, I swear a lot anyway, and I talk about fucked up shit a lot anyway. So I don't want that to be my shtick, you know what I mean? And 
And once again, it was just a truthful thing. It was just funny. It was one argument we were having. Of, I remember I was going to clean the house, and I had to literally flip the vacuum cleaner over and cut all the hair out of it. <laughs> it was like <laughs> some fucking woogie in my goddamn vacuum cleaner. And, and, and I did that, and it was like, ooh, okay, it's clean. And then two weeks later, I had to do the same. And it's just its ongoing thing. And this girl has so much hair on her head. And I'm just like, what? Where is all this shit coming from? Yeah. And then when I told somebody about the, the shower thing and everybody I know who's uh, who was white or dating a white woman, it's like, yeah, my girlfriend does this shit all the time. She leaves the she puts the hair on the wall. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I got something there. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Like all of my girlfriends have done that. I, this is my first like, you know, foray into this. So like, yeah. like black girls don't do this shit. No. They, they leave a note. Love you. Like, <laughs> you know, in their hair. Just, just, <laughs> just the, te- the texture thing with yeah. black girls and their hair. The, their hair don't come out like that. And and if they if you put it on the wall, it, it just come out. Our hair. Yeah. Our hair is just thicker, dude. And then now, the way a lot of girls are, you know, with wigs and weaves and shit, they count every strand. They ain't letting that shit go. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is that a good setup for this next clip? Yeah, do yeah, wanna, yeah. Do you want to throw anything else in there before? No, we we, we could we could uh, we could get into it. it. Yeah. All right. This is this is from uh, Hilarities about a month ago. Or uh, so? r- f- uh, yeah, roughly maybe two months at this point. Damn, since time is running oh, so fast. Yeah, so fast. Yeah. So this is uh, from John's Half Hour at Hilarities. Yeah, there, there's more in there, but I was so, like, nervous because we were filming it. I was like, must march ahead. Yes. <laughs> Keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, man. But that was just, that was a way to poke fun at a certain part of relationship. It's, it's common things, but things that uh, don't get talked about that much, you know. It's just, to me, it's just fun, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. We're all doing the same thing, man, and we're all uh, trying to find ways to get jokes out of out of these life experiences. And and then there's certain things that I know aren't my strong suit, which of course I have to get better with, but I can I can I can dissect, you know, certain parts of my life uh, you know, in a coherent way most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Um, you have uh, you also have a bit about choking that's hilarious too. Yeah, I left that out of the recording because my girlfriend hates that joke because it's one hundred percent true. <laughs> uh-huh. You did it the other night though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she yeah, was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Uh, if we can get into that one, it was uh, that one is just uh, um, once again 
sex and jokes, it's always going to be there. So it's like, how can I attack this in a different way? And it's actually happened. Um, when you, Of course, as we all know, when you're in a relationship, you ain't like banging it out every day after, you know, years start going by. And you try to, you know, do shit to keep it new. And on this one particular time, we were having sex. And my girlfriend just happened to be on top. And I was just laying there. And she, she stopped, looked at me, and asked if she could choke me. And I said, yeah. And she started choking me. And it just... It was everything but sex at that point because I'm just I've never just laid there and like been choked and she really choked the shit out of me and it was I was it's like all right and then I started thinking about the girl's perspective every time I've tried to do this dominating thing and I'm like this is so stupid <laughs> it was just the dumbest thing like but I'm like if this helps you somehow just yeah, like men don't men don't need that. Like, I, I'm I'm gonna come regardless. But if this <laughs> if this helps some masochist part of your brain, then fucking have at it, dear. But it was uh, it was just it was weird. It was new, and that you know how it is. Like, uh, you guys are in your thirties. Like, as you get older, um, you've kind of you know, unless you start getting into you know Pornhub page one hundred, we've kind of <laughs> tackled a lot of the basic shit with sex. So. <laughs> just so to get choked i was just like wow that's that was interesting <laughs> so of course you know anything like that you're like oh let me throw this in and just see how it works and that's the other thing too with some of these jokes it's you don't want to just throw something in just for the sake of doing it or just for the sake of saying oh this will sound wild when i say this it wasn't even so much a thing like that it's just you don't want to be another uh person on stage literally dry humping the stool saying <laughs> oh, so i was fucking this girl right you know like it's it's like it, it gets yeah it's very eye rolling and, and 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 racial stuff can get kind of um i don't know it can get hacky too but once again it's like, well, this is an aspect of it, so I'll address it. But how can I address it without it feeling like, you know, a priest, a nun, and a blah blah blah, <laughs> blah walking to a bar? You know what I mean? So yeah. how how can we get our <laughs> how can we get our hands around this? <laughs> so it, it becomes it becomes that, and it just makes it fun, man. You know, it actually uh, some of it uh, helps with relationship stuff. Uh, because you just end up talking and you end up addressing things and you end up and you get to laugh at yourself you don't take yourself so serious with shit you know what i mean like as as men in relationships uh, at least i from my experience i've been immature and jealous and like just you know every shitty thing that men try to grow out of you know what i mean so as you grow out of that because there is no there there you don't i don't think you know Women don't become perfect women, and we don't become perfect men. But you at least try to become self-aware, you know? A little bit better. Yeah, dude. With each, yeah, with each experience. Hell yeah. Now, well, I love the way that you uh, you add, like, nuances to your jokes about, like, being in, in a relationship. Where, you, as an audience member, like, you almost forget about that that's what you're talking about. Because you, uh, I mean, you, you, there's a thread that you can kind of follow along with your premises like yeah you start yeah. with the choking like trying something new and then you bring the race into it yeah. and then you bring the police into it and then it just becomes a totally different joke always yeah uh, arc I, I say that a yeah. lot uh, and i'm still learning about it in story structure and uh, i don't know steve you probably super know about this like putting together like videos and stuff but i, I just try to have things have an arc you know what i mean because like <clears throat> Well, and that's the other thing too is I'm I'm not good at like 
set up knockdown jokes. Like you're awesome with that, Steve. Like you're really good with that. I'm. I I can't write a joke like that. I, I don't want to say can't, but that's not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. So I at least try to have my jokes have an arc to them, so you can at least feel like uh, when you're coming into it, when you're into it, and then when you're coming out of it, you know. And even part of it is maybe not feeling it because I do like to do a quick left turn and like, whoa, where, how do we get there? But still, you can you can feel the evolution of the joke. Like, it's just not flat laying there. You know what I mean? That one joke that I did with the, uh, it's a very crass joke, the, the biggie joke and then about the, like, the anal oral sex. But but at the end of the joke, it ends up being a joke about atheism and, and <laughs> You know what I mean, and it's it's a hard <laughs> left turn, and it's just I, I just I love doing that because the other thing that I found with comedy is part of it is a magic trick. It's a sleight of hand, like you got them looking over here, and then you pull it pull it around, and then they're they're somewhere else. And you don't do it to the point to where it becomes your stick, and people are just waiting like, oh, John's about to pull the rug from under us. It's not necessarily just like that. You just, you try to find a way, not just to keep the audience engaged, but to keep yourself engaged. I'm sure y'all have had this where you're doing sets and it's sets that we've done a million times. So I call it the out of body thing where you're on stage, but like you're literally staring at yourself, tell jokes. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, it's certain things I got to do to catfish my brain so that I'm still catfish my brain. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. So that I'm still on stage engaging. Cause I hate that when it's so, it becomes this out of body thing and you're just staring at yourself and you're thinking about, okay, what am I doing after this? And, all right, oh, I forgot to bring my weed with me. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, while you're telling jokes. All right. Yeah, and it becomes stale. So that's that's what happens to me a lot. I mean, you'll see that from me when I'm going through a period of like regeneration or like, you know, I, did, I was doing it all this week where I was just like, I was clearly not into it. And uh, yeah. I don't know. It's. It become, yeah, it just becomes out of body, and you and you're like, uh, how can I engage this? So even, even if you're not getting as many laughs. But to still be in it. Because yeah. if you're not in it, what the fuck are we doing, you know? Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some stuff that we do, like if we're doing quick five-minute sets and you're just trying to work on something, or if coincidentally everybody got up before you went on and you're like, okay, let me just let me burn up these minutes real quick. But if, yeah, I get fading out with that. But if you're really just trying to be in the moment, it's like, I, okay, I got I to gotta be in this. What, what's going to help me actually give a fuck about this joke, you know? I was in front of a new audience every day, like no comics whatsoever. I'd be a completely different comedian because you get away with anything because you're just out there and they've never seen you before. You have that blank slate uh, impression that you can give. You can be anybody you want. But instead, I'm in front of comics all the time and I'm extremely self-conscious about repeating things Mm -hmm. and seeming disingenuous to other comedians. And so that kind of really screws up my development. I could probably be a lot further along if I hadn't been doing that for years. No, <laughs> like, but I like we were talking about. It's the same thing. That's why. That's where my yeah. keep trying to do new stuff came from. Because yeah. I'm like, okay, it's a room with seven of us. I've told this joke to these guys like a million times, and then I got these jokes that I want to tell that I'm scared yeah. to. So let's just get that out there. Let's just see where this falls. Because yeah. you are. Because you already know what I'm gonna say. If I don't tell these other ones, so yeah. But what could be, you know, it's a, it's like a, you know, it's a late night Tinder hookup, you know, <laughs> like who, <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, like I can. It's just a way of getting material off. 
because it's it's so much shit to talk about. I just hate having stuff just dissipate in the, and then it just dies in the corner. And you know how you are, you're, you'll have a thought and you'll like jot it down like shit, you know what I mean? And then you come back to it the next day or you go to do it on stage and it doesn't have that energy that it had when you wrote it down. And yeah. you're like, did I? Like, I remember being really excited about this joke. And then you start doing it and you're like, this is the dumbest <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, like, why am I? So, uh, I, so I try to like like keep that energy so when you spit it out you still have a love for it or you still knew where you wanted to go with it right so yeah. so once you're doing it, it it's just not this like like oh well <laughs> guys it sounded better when i was high at two in the morning you yeah. know like that's so that's where that's where a lot of this shit comes from. It, it's tough um in a city this size because you see the same people at, at like multiple times a week and you're we're trying to work on the same yeah. joke and they, you might get a laugh the first time, but then you never get a laugh again yeah. in front of those same people. And that's it's frustrating, but at the same time, like that challenges me to not necessarily write something new every week, but maybe add a different inflection or change the yeah. word or change the order. And if I can get a laugh on the same joke when things are flipped, like it's it's uh, that's a that's a win for me. Like I, I uh, Steve, your show TikTok. Um, if I can get a laugh on something that I've done there before, I consider that a win. Yeah. Oh yeah. Getting a laugh at TikTok, especially depending on how the day is going and everything else, it's like yeah. if I can get something out of this, then you know there's something mm-hmm. in there. Because mm-hmm. we're like comics, we're so we've heard it all. We're so jaded that if you can get us to even crack a smile or even a look up from our phones, you're like, oh shit, there's something in there. So that is the good thing about when you do open mics or you are performing in uh, front of like a lot of your friends or a lot of comics. Because I know that that becomes a thing comics say, don't perform to the back of the room. Right. You know, don't perform to the comedians. But there's a certain level of wanting to do that because even when jokes work on certain audiences, it's like... It's like dating an eighteen-year-old girl. It's like I'm kind of cheating. Like this is this is easy. They just don't know because they don't have the experience to know. But if I get the comics to laugh at it, you know, you're getting people who've heard a billion jokes to laugh at us. So it's it's that tightrope of of trying to come with an angle that's a little newer while not digging so deep that you you dig past most people and you're doing like you know references to you know 20 year old independent movies and shit <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, so your jokes aren't niche like that yeah. or if they're not uh you know uh inside jokes with the comics making comics laugh is okay because i think that's just you're catering to the toughest audience and if you can make them laugh and win them over then you're doing something right as long as it can translate to a non-comedic right comedy you're not audience. just writing right. for comedians you're yeah, not talking that. about chunks and bits and that will ruin <laughs> like, you yeah you guys want to hear my bacon bit <laughs> like, not anymore <laughs> yeah i, I think work, that was it that's how that's as deep as that can go right right yeah <laughs> yeah it's so funny like i work in service industry and like uh, people I work with are always like you should do you talk about us or you should talk about how it is here and talk about and I'm like there has to be so much set up behind that that by the time you get to it it doesn't that show that we just did with the service industry thing a lot of those jokes I had had and I had tried to do but you only get so far with them because unless you're in the service industry they only resonate but so much you can do surface level stuff because we all work and people know how it is to work but if you're not in it, do I really want to 
like take the time to build up the premise of okay you have to understand that most bosses in this are just perverts and they don't know what they're doing and a posse is a little thing that you do to to uh ring in an order and like they, if if you're Susie working at a fucking insurance office they don't know what the fuck I'm talking yeah, about you got to 86 the joke you know <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah 86 <laughs> <laughs> That's just a number to me. Well, why would you forget to put an order in? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's so, not that hard of a job. So, yeah, certain stuff that, that yeah, it, it becomes a little, like, you, you think it, people on the outside looking in think it's easier to do, but it's like, it's, 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 I guess the art of doing this is making it look effortless. Yeah. You know, but you're you're literally up there doing the duck in water shit to where the duck just looks like it's sitting there, but the legs below water are just <laughs> kicking away like what the fuck, you know? Don't notice me flailing here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean you, you do have to play to the room to an extent. I mean obviously. I mean that whole room everybody but like three people were in the service industry in that room. Yeah, that so, really, I mean that, just, that helped that show. That yeah, helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, cause, I mean you did the first ten minutes. It, it almost felt like it was just crowd work, and you were just riffing. Well, how, I was, how I much just, of that was a lot of it? Like I said, a lot of it was stuff that I already had. Yeah. But it, it was going to the, my point earlier. It was the outline. I went in with the outline. I knew where certain punchlines were, but the way that room felt because I had never did it before. And it was so open aired, and then it had the bar off to the side with people talking. I'm like, I know I can lose these people if I don't keep the energy a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, let me, I know what I want to get into. And the more they respond to this, the more we'll keep going down this road. And then if it starts quieting down, then we'll, we'll make a turn too. And then that's the thing. I, I knew a lot of people in the room, my girlfriend and other friends that happened to heard my shit before. And, we have been through this, so it's like, how can we address this and readdress this with it, with it still sounding fresh? And that's the other thing, too. When you do comedy in front of, like, friends and different, uh, like, people you, especially people you know, or I, I, I hate being that comic that just, that's there and, like, you're staring into that person's eyes and you're, hey, man, but, like, it, it makes <laughs> it, it makes it awkward for the person because I've had people do that to me, you know? Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. And, it, and it's one thing, okay, we we see each other. We notice yeah. each other. You acknowledge each other. But when so, if you're in my eyes for more than two seconds, dude, stop. <laughs> it just starts feeling weird. Or even if they're not a comic but it's your friend, it's like they're... They're, it just makes it awkward for them. I, I recently heard something. They were talking about bombing, and I never looked at it from this level, but they were like, part of the reason bombing sucks so bad is because the audience feels the awkwardness, too. It ain't just you up there dying. Like, they're they're kind of squirming in their seat, too. So when you're when you got that weird energy and you're just going in at them and staring at them like, yeah. Vicarious cringing that they feel. It's the human experience. Right, right. You know the thing you said about staring? Oh, this ruins a set. Like, comics will yeah. start telling jokes to me, and it's like, guess what? I'm not going to laugh now. You're making this weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to you now because you're staring at me. Or I have to look, you have to look away, or you laugh, and then you look up, and then, like, yeah. it's, it's like when you're, uh, you ever do that thing where you either have your headphones on in public or you're reading in public? And then yeah. somebody comes up and starts talking to you, and you'll look up to acknowledge them, but you'll immediately look back away, like, "Okay, just so you know, I'm, 
I'm doing something else. Stop yeah. trying to constantly engage me. Right. And the fucked up thing is the more you try to break that, the more they keep coming back to like, but no, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not done digging into your brain. Like, like I don't stare at somebody this much during sex. Dude. Stop, looking, <laughs> stop looking at me. It's so right. awkward. I mean, going into like you have a relationship with the audience. Like when you get up there, they get their, there's like yeah. looking at the audience as one person yeah as versus a, as an entity yeah. yeah that's why uh the starting off at the funny stop we've all done that room like the first time i went up on stage it was not what i was expecting because i couldn't really see the audience because that light shines in your face yeah. and it was very disorientating mm-hmm. And I used to call that like the being in the tunnel because you're just in the tunnel and you're there. Yeah. And you're kind of telling jokes into the void and you're waiting for this train feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the P train. Get off my stage. <laughs> yeah, the P <beat> train. <laughs> Political. <laughs> this, is our, this is our weekly segment where we read the funny stuff. <laughs> but no, I, no, I love the funny stuff. Dude. I'm glad I started there. But I don't. But <laughs> <laughs> I am not connected. To any other comments, or any other other yeah, comments yeah, yeah, this on, on, on this program, no, but uh, <laughs> no, but to, to back to the light thing that that actually started helping me though, because in a way, if I was nervous or if I did know people in the audience, I love the fact that I can't see your face. There's none of that eye contact shit. There's none of that. So then, when I started doing different stages and you can see people and you can directly look in people's eyes, I, it became a thing to where I kind of blankly stare out and I'm staring at you, but I'm staring at you collectively as a whole, not like... And now I've got to the point to where now I kind of want to see people and acknowledge people a little bit, but to be able to kind of a quick like glance and then keep it moving. Yeah. But you don't want to be... You, it's, it's just... Uh, you're already standing over them. <laughs> it's like, this is what I call the line. There's the line, the eyesight line. Right. Keep your eyes down. Don't... A lot of comics... I mean, you can get away with this if you're, like, you know, just fucking on fire and shit. Like, like for instance, Jeremy Shear, he'll always look at the ceiling. Be like, yeah. Yeah, I just... Uh, and he'll, like, yeah. shake his head like this. And I just... He does that a lot, but it's like, but, you know, that's his way of recalling what he's talking about. But mm-hmm. it's like, you really should, if you want to be more effective with certain, you know, every com- comedian's different, but you want to look at people. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There's not this, too intently. There's only right. a certain, yeah, like you said, there's only a certain type of, uh, like a, a Stephen Wright or a Mitch Hedberg, you could probably, you could get away with just kind of staring into the void. But right. even then, they, they're... Theirs were kind of more dry and dry with Stephen Wright, and then just kind of one-liners with Mitch Hedberg. So you could get away with that because a one-liner staring into somebody's eyes is just <laughs> a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. If you're delivering one-liners, and you just go across the room right. and everyone you're you're in one person's eyes. So I was at the gas station, and, and then next person. So I was walking down the street, and like it's like you're it's yeah, like a school shooting with you. eye contact. It's like it's all. About about what your jokes are about. If you're trying to engage with them on relatability, then you need to be looking at them. But if you're doing right. joke jokes, you don't have to be looking at anyone right. because they don't need to make that connection. And the honest to laugh is on that one guy yeah, <laughs> who right. just got his cheese fries. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm trying to eat my fries, but I don't think I should look away because yeah. you're looking at me. Yeah. It's just like, it's like it's 
Yeah, it's like you, you you earn their trust and then you lose their trust if you keep staring. Yeah, it's, it's like Terry McGee. Up but it, here. I mean, it's important. me into laughs. <laughs> it's important to make eye contact, but not maintain it like the whole time. Right? Yeah, I mean, what, it's what's all about the, rule? the fourth like, wall. Yeah, you want to make eye contact like when you're having a conversation with somebody. You want to make eye contact with like one eye. If you're looking mm-hmm. both eyes, it's yeah. like that's weird. Stop. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. No one like, maintains you lose eye their contact. Trust. Right. Yeah. I just had a job interview where I was I was doing that and I had I had to force myself to look away. I, I okay Don't quick, blink. Quick um uh, like segue backstory, we can edit this out, but my son's autistic and I remember getting him diagnosed when he was like two, almost three. And that's when that his eye contact first started going away. Mm. And like as a parent, you immediately notice that. Yeah. Like immediately. And uh then so we go get him tested, and sure enough, he has autism. And then we're going down this list of stuff like, does your does your child do this? Does your child do this? Does your child do this? And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. But not only yes, 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 but like I do that, I do that, I do that. Like he's got a lot of my ticks just turned up. And I remember being younger, and like I and this is probably common common for people, especially comics. Uh, but I was awkward and shitty, you know, and I had to teach myself how to look at people and yeah. how to look people in the eye. Mm-hmm. But it got to the point to where I would look people in the eye. Then I had to teach myself to break away. <laughs> yeah. And I was remembering that I was at this job interview the other day and we're sitting there talking and you don't want to be not engaging, but I'm just like, I'm, I can see the back of this yeah. dude's skull right now because I'm like just staring into his eyes. So it was, it became, a, <laughs> it became a skill set not only to learn to look, but okay, now, now look away, John. You're, you're, you're Once we start person. talking about eye contact, then I start, hyper focusing on it and i'm like i can't okay it's like you got to go on autopilot because it's like staring in the mirror and and everything your face turns into picasso it just (laughs) it just turns into shapes and you're like this isn't even a thing and then you're all i see are your eyes yeah (laughs) you're just eyes right (laughs) all right so uh moving along with the podcast so part of this too is like uh how different uh comics are able to pull this off more known comics yes uh, as far as uh like uh with relationships in particular or just with broaching subjects that, like you said, have been kind of overused it's or just seemingly their fresh overused. take on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like you you have a fresh angle on it. Um, and, and that's that's what's important because so many people attack it from the same point of view. And it's like we've heard this a hundred times, yeah. especially newer comics. But when you get somebody like, for example, Chris Rock, who uh, who, you know, I mean, he's been doing this for 30 years. And... Um, I don't know, 20, 25 years probably. It's probably more. No, right. 30 plus. It's yeah. like, it's 2019. He started in, uh, what was it, 86? Okay, yeah. 87. God damn, I keep forgetting it's, yeah. it's 2019. Yeah, I'm like, it's 2009. Eddie still, Murphy saw him in a club in uh, in New York. Yeah. And, uh, and he, um, he, kinda, he didn't discover him, but he kind of helped him. And eventually that's how he got tied into doing... Uh, Beverly Hills Cop and Boomerang. He was just in tiny little parts with that. But then, of course, with Eddie Murphy being an alum of Saturday Night Live, I'm sure that helps Chris Rock parlay into that. And then, and then even then, he was just this big guy who knew like that skinny little black kid who did like the white man cam and all these other weird things. Like his breakthrough to me uh, was that Bring the Pain. That was '96. And I remember because after uh, he after he was gone from Saturday Night Live and, uh, you know, this is after New Jack City and everything else, he kind of was just 
off to the side somewhere and people weren't really thinking about him. And I remember watching that bring the pain. And that was such a like a pivotal moment in comedy. That was one of the reasons I always wanted to do comedy. But I mean, of course, you don't tell people this when you're when you're young. Like, you ain't gonna never do that shit. But like, uh, it, it was just such a, a watershed moment in comedy. And like that, that joke that he does about the uh, about OJ, like, I don't think he should have killed her, but I understand and that uh, that famous niggas versus black people, like he approached shit that people had in their head, but nobody ever put together. And the, to have the balls to say that, I honestly like I have a joke about that. Like uh, with OJ and the cold, like I thought OJ was innocent. Most black people did because we we're just uh, part of it was a reflexive thing. Because so many white people, I was, I was just like, why? I mean, people get killed all the time. Why do people care about this so much? And then you could feel kind of the racial yeah. undertone. I think we all, not we all, but a lot of people inserted themselves into that. So it wasn't even about this poor woman and guy getting killed. It's about, uh, you know, like black people being too overly violent. And then for black people, it became how white people are so racist and this guy is not going to get a fair trial so when he beat that it was like a victory for us but it had nothing to do with uh nicole and uh ron goldman and then but then when he, the way he did the joke when he broke it down relationship wise to where this is a guy who was married to this woman and then he's paying all this money for alimony and then she starts to date this other guy and he's to and then you quickly realize how a man who's a football player with a history of domestic violence can snap and kill somebody and you're like oh that's how that happened and to be able to do that and put it into a joke that was genius to me. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, I, it was it was mind blowing. Like, how did you just take something so whatever the fuck and and that's one of the things uh, uh, a joke. If you uh, if we we don't have to, but uh, the 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 OJ uh, Trump joke that I have um, that always works and it works in front of like white conservative audiences, but it's because that's what I found with how Chris Rock did some of his jokes, is if there's an underlying truth, even if you're not politically on my side, you'll laugh. And to me, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, it's just, I, I love that. It's that sleight of hand you were talking about. Right. Like, when, you, when, you don't, when you don't see it coming. If we don't get into it. The, the joke that I have that's, that's uh, kind of close to it is uh, basically how, you know, Donald Trump's is not the best president. <laughs> and uh, if... Um, if the white people who admitted that uh, who who if the white people who voted for Trump could admit they messed up, then black people will finally admit that OJ did it, and it's uh, that always kind of gets a laugh because it it lets you know that in the back of our mind we're all just being tribal with this. This once again this is this isn't even about what's happening. This is about people not want to concede anything to the other side. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. the tag that I got onto that joke, which kind of had been done, but. I it was a tag I did on stage, so it, it felt organic, so I just kept it. But it was like, um, uh, okay, so we'll, we'll admit that OJ did it, and then I go back to back in 1994. I was 15 years old, and I thought OJ was innocent, just like most black people. Until a few years later, when I was in my first real relationship, and I was like, oh, he killed that bitch. <laughs> and it was like, and it's that same thing to where once again, 
I back then I I didn't really have the the knowledge of how relationships work, how a man's rage works, our, our jealousy, and let alone like what we start to find out about CTE and how that just ruins your brain. Uh, so yeah. it's so it's one of those things to where you get a laugh because there's an underlying truth in there. We're not murderers, we're not whatever, but you see how a person can come to this conclusion, yeah. and it's like fuck. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. 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 Bring them with you on that. Well, yeah. uh, Bats and Chris Wright, we're not actually doing the one that, uh, the, the, the joke that you're talking well, about. Well, it's through the, through the beauty of editing, it won't matter. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, you made a lot of good points. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it plays into it. It, yeah. it's, it fits the theme. I mean, right. we, we're not heavily editing this. Gotcha. Uh, just the parts where I'm like, it's not playing. Uh, that's where's the, the button? Where's the, uh, hold on, listen to us. <laughs> Try to fuck a coconut. All right. Um, so here is uh, this is from his oh, newest tambourine. Special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People oh. shitted on this one. I like this one. I haven't seen it. I hate when people shit on comedy albums. It's like it just wasn't for you. Like it's just like music. Just man. Some people found it funny. Obviously, I like his older stuff. Yeah. Listen to his older stuff. It'll yeah. be there for and you. And once again, that one we were just talking about, the Bring the Pain, his first one. So many people shitted on that because it wasn't like how a lot of 90s black comedy was. It was, uh, people now would call it too woke, you know <laughs> what I mean, or too political. Or, I, I'm, I'm being surface level, not everybody, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? But it wasn't, it didn't have that Def Jam, Kings of Comedy feel to it. You know, he didn't have on some big, like, Steve Harvey suit, not the shit on Steve Harvey, but it, it didn't have that kind of black church call and response. You do have some of that, because Chris Rock actually, I've read a lot of, like, comedy shit. His, his, um... I think it was his grandfather or father was a preacher. And he says his pacing of the stage comes from that because he tries to fill the whole stage. And that comes. So and a lot of black comedy is comes from the church. It's a very call and response. Mm -hmm. Like when I do mostly black rooms or like a big black room, like improv, like you feel that. And I and you I'll still be me, but you still do have to have a little more of that call and response energy because the first three to four three to five minutes in any show, but particularly in a black show, is just getting them on your side. That's what John Bruton talks about this. Yeah. Like uh like some of it you gotta you don't have to, but you gotta be a little loose or riff for a minute just kinda to get them on your side. Because first of all, the level of comic I'm at, I'm not the headliner, so they're not there to see me. So a lot of the times they're ordering shit or they're not thinking about you or they're on their phone or whatever. So you have to find a way to engage and it's like this slow this slow build of uh, it's kind of like a foreplay thing. Like <laughs> it's yeah. not in yet, but we're you know we're we're taking our time and taking our time, and then when you got them, then you go in. Yeah, you can't go in raw. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> no, and you if can't. you do, there'll be consequences. Yeah, I bombed the first time in front of a, in front of a mostly black audience. A funny stop. It was like a really? fundraiser. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it was like I don't know. It was at the beginning of the summer. Um, Pete, it was supposed to be. Um, Dave Landau, yeah. but Pete got the date wrong. He, he said I could come and do a guest set for Dave Landau, and uh, it ended up being uh, like a. I like meant a Dave black Jackson. Show. Yeah, <laughs> get yeah, up there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so Pete was like, "You you want to do five? You go do five. Uh, just talk to the producer, or whatever." So I talked to the producer of the show, and he he put me up, and he so I was like, "I'm gonna win him. Like I'm gonna win him over this time. I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna you know." And I actually did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the producer of the show. 
think Rodney maybe. I think Kason. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he was like, he was like, you're funny, man, but you need like more energy. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then so you know. Yeah, that that little like, yeah. that little play around at the beginning. Yeah, but I mean that's what I did. You know, I did the whole the the breach baby thing, and again, like. I, I don't know. We won't go into my jokes because that's that has no, to do no, with what we're talking about no, today. No, but it, it's still relevant just as far as just uh, different sensibilities. And we're all essentially saying the same thing, but how to get them to hear you. you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I did that joke and then I heard something and then, you know, got laughs. And I heard some lady like she laughed a second time and she goes and then I just heard her go, that's why you so big headed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's the, other, that's the other thing, too. Like rooms like that, like you, it, you, it builds up that muscle of being able to clap back. Yeah. Because, cause, yeah, okay, you don't want to respond to every little thing, but at the same time, if there's random darts being thrown and you yeah. just keep walking into the breach after a while, it's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, was like, I was like, well, that's why I'm a comedian. Yeah. And then I got her to laugh again. But nice. uh, yeah, nice. it went well. Anyway, uh, let's set, <laughs> this has been the longest setup for a clip. <laughs> hey, dude, dude, editing, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is from uh, yeah this is from his most recent special on Netflix Um, I'll cut it off at some point but here we go love hard or get the fuck out okay you hear me I'm telling you right now if you're in a relationship all you should be doing is fucking and going places that's all you should be doing having sex and traveling fucking and going places. You should be coming and going. That's all you should be doing. Okay? People say, oh, relationships are tough. No, they're not. They're only tough when one person's working on it. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Two people can move a couch real easy. <laughs> one person can't move it at all. That's right. If you're in a relationship, let me, let me, let me try to help you right now. Okay? I'm trying to fucking Okay. Okay. First rule, rule one: stop competing. It's not a fucking competition. That's right. Her success is your success, and your success is her success. Stop competing. Stop it. Okay. Num- number two. Number two. Okay. There is no equality in a relationship. It's like, we equals, no you're not. You're both there to serve. You are in the service industry, okay? That's right. When you're in a relationship, you're in a band. You're in a fucking band. And when you're in a band, you have roles that you play in the band. Sometimes you sing lead, and sometimes you're on tambourine. <laughs> and if you're on tambourine, play it right. <laughs> play it right. Play it with a fucking smile. Because nobody wants to see a mad tambourine play. Right, if you gonna play tambourine, you play that motherfucker right. You play it with your ass, like tambourine motherfucker. Tambourine motherfucker. Tambourine motherfucker. Play it like Tina Turner. 
like it's he's preaching about like uh, about the right way to to be in a relationship, but he takes such a fresh angle with it. Like I love that, and 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 uh, the way things are uh, now. Everything thinks that everything has to be this 50-50 thing, this right. e- egalitarian thing, which, yeah, you have to have respect and everything, but as to his point, it's never, the, just the way life is, it's never equal like that. My, I mean, me and my girlfriend, roughly, if I have a good week, make the same amount of money, but right now she's a little heavier uh, into the money making than I am, but we still, you know, we split bills evenly. But like you said, like if if you're taking on a lesser role, like take on that role and not be spiteful about it. Don't be a dick about it. You know what I mean? And uh, and it's being able to walk that line that makes a relationship work, and not just that, but with friends too. As like man, dude, like as we progress through this comedy thing, and like some of us like will get this or like. I heard you were on that movie, or then it's like, or, or shit, you producing this show, or, oh, John got to record this, have I, like, we all have our, like, spurts here and there, but if you lean on, like, man, how come that person got this, like, yeah. your, your, your time's gonna come, or this is just how this is now, but, yeah, that, but I, I love that, I, that's why I love his takes on things, because there, there's ways to get to conclusions um, without... Like yeah, everything is just isn't this equal horse race, and sometimes things just are what they are. It's just a very pragmatic way of looking at shit. life, which is probably messy. what most comedy is anyway. <laughs> I mean, life is messy; it's imperfect, and that's why comedy exists. Like if it if it was perfect, yeah. if it was this fifty fifty hundred hundred, like there wouldn't be anything to laugh about. There, it would be yeah. too you know, it's too perfect. Like those imperfections where where that comedy yeah. comes up. I heard a guy talking about uh, us as humans. The reason we have humor is because we're so self-aware. We're aware of our death. We're aware of um, a lot of pain and just things that you have to deal with um, just being human. And our and humor is our way of just adding levity to all this because there's just so much tragedy that you know that you deal with and that you know you have to deal with. And this is just our way of, of coping with it. Because that that is the old joke that uh, what comedy is tragedy plus time, you know. Yeah. But um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a coping mechanism. And that's why that's why relation the the premise of relationships will never get old if it's done right. Because like yeah. you were saying earlier, the people in the audience are on dates. They just got in a fight in the car. And yeah. Now they're there, and a comedian's doing jokes about relationships, and it's like, oh, you do that, or oh, I do that. Like, mm-hmm. it it works. And that's the greatest thing too, especially if you're that white comedian in front of a black audience. That black comedian in front of a white audience like when there's seemingly going to be some uh differences and when you hit something and it ends up resonating with most of the people even if if you're a straight comic and they're gay people in the audience they're like fuck i do that too you know that that i because i feel that sometimes and i'm sure you felt that uh you know going on mostly black shows like like sometime if i'm at a mostly white show and you come out um once you get to a point to where you can kind of feel the energy in the room, like uh, when you step out and when you can feel like, oh, it's black comic. And sometimes the first laughs in a white room, they'll give you laughs just because it's that weird, like, yeah. I want to laugh at the black guy. Energy. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. that weird energy. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's not until you get into a good joke 
that that's either relatable or or that you dissect something or that you know that sleight of hand you just give them that that uh, left hook that they weren't looking for and then when you get that laugh out of them then they trust you then they're on board but before that it's it's either I call it the hand cross thing you get that uh, with certain audiences or you get just too much leeway where it's just it's, it's, <laughs> it's like okay all right. Yeah, that's that. I my I compare that to the it's like sex. It's the it's the girl who needs like a million minutes of foreplay versus the girl you just touch and she oh my god and just shake. It's like okay, calm down. I didn't <laughs> I didn't really do anything, but you know I appreciate the the energy. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're just yeah, you're making me feel weird now. <laughs> <laughs> you're overdoing it. Yeah, Stop. and I, and I I've I felt that I've I've seen that with uh, like a grog shop with black audiences with white comics and and the white comic will be like uh just okay and they'll kill and it, it you get that at mixed shows a lot of times it's it's just sometimes it's so different that whatever that person's doing is just it's either some nervous laughter or it's oh i ain't never heard no shit like that or just or sometimes it's it's uh like what Dave Chappelle was talking about what happened with his show it's it feels like they're not laughing with you they're laughing at you kind of thing yeah. you know what I mean you could just feel the laughs you know yeah and and you're like this this joke even even if the joke kills it doesn't kill like that like you're laughing at something else right now <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> what did I do <laughs> yeah 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 it. and now of course that's us being comics being in our head but you you start to know especially if it's a proven joke you know you, you start to know where it's like okay if it didn't work maybe the inflection of my voice I didn't do right but when they're just rolling on the ground you're like okay go what happened <laughs> here what happened here um a lot of uh, a lot of relationship material you use like at the it's like a negative spin on it you know like complaining yeah. about you know the other, and I, and that's why I like that bit is because he kind of gives it a positive spin. Um, and then uh, this one, uh, this is a, a New York comedian. His name's Ted Alexandro. He's been doing it forever. Um, he's hilarious, mm-hmm. and um, he talks about he has this whole bit about his fiance, like this this love story about how um, they dated. She broke up with him, went overseas. And then uh, she comes back and, and texts him, and he, he's like, I saw the, the area code, and I was like, hmm, guess who's back? Like, <laughs> um, but he has a, a bit, because there's a big age gap between them, uh, about, like, he's in his late 40s, and she's in his, uh, I, think it's, I think it's in this bit. Um, so I'm going to play this, because well, I think this is Well, if he doesn't say it, what, what, what is the age, so we know? Uh, he's late 40s, she's early 30s. Okay. okay. And uh, so I, I think he does say it, but... I listened to this last night, and I've, I listened. I've listened to this a few times because it's 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 such a well crafted joke. Um, he, yeah, I'll just let it happen. Just let it play. So we reconnected again. It was beautiful. Uh, there was an age difference, he and there still it. is. That's how math works. <laughs> but it feels like less now because time has gone by. We're both older. Like if I took her to my high school prom, I would have been pushing her in a stroller. <laughs> Like, no, no, trust me, guys. I have a good feeling this is going to work out. <laughs> hey, now, hey, now, the dream is It helps her sleep. Hey, now, 
<laughs> oh. She is in her very early 30s, and I am in my late 40s. They say a woman's sexual prime is her 30s, so she is in her sexual prime. And I am not. I'm past my prime. Like, do you remember when Shaq played for the Celtics? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> he didn't look like himself anymore. He had a hard time getting up and down the court. Some nights he was really an embarrassment. And I bet there were nights where Shaq's teammates got very angry at Shaq and said, like, Shaq, do you even want to play with us? Do you have any passion for the game anymore? Do you care? And I'm sure Shaq was like, no, guys, it's not that at all. I love you. It's just that I'm a little older now. It takes me a little longer to warm up. Maybe you can just fucking be a little patient. <laughs> Shaq probably said to them. <laughs> and I just think it was very unfair of Shaq's teammates to treat him like that. He, he was a legend. He had done a lot in the game. He deserved better. And if you look back, Shaq had some really good games for the Celtics. <laughs> not every game, not every game, but on some nights he looked like the Shaq of old, and I just wish his teammates could have appreciated that instead of harping on the nights that he had difficulty performing. <laughs> I feel for Shaq is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> The older you get, and the... That's enough. Uh, it's such a good analogy. It's, it's... I love that. I love that. And I love how he, like, keeps going. And you know what the obvious that he talks about, but he keeps it in the basketball analogy. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a really well-written joke. And I love how the audience at first is like, that's funny. And then as he keeps going, they're like, oh, you're talking about your fiancé. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, the, just, just the, the build and the build. Yeah, I love that. That's I like that too. Uh, that whole like to his thing of like women, their sexual peak in the thirties. I have a theory, man. Like uh, that's bullshit. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> through <laughs> through the handful of women I've slept with, I think um, honestly with women, they just become comfortable in their thirties. You know what I mean? I don't think it's necessarily a chemical thing. I just. The thing I noticed when I was younger, when you're in your 20s and then having been a 30-some-year-old, still fucking girls in their 20s, like, the thing you notice is girls, young girls, like, they're they're go, go, go. They have an A for effort and blah, 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 like, and they, they say they're, you know, hey, I'm freaky and I'm this and I'm that. But when they get in their 30s, they're finally fucking the way men fuck. They know how to fucking leave. They're not trying to hang out. They know how to come. They want to come. And they, they fuck to come. And then they, Or if they've embraced things that they like doing, you know what I mean? They, they lean into it. If they like sucking dick, they, they love doing that. But if they don't, they'll let you know. But they're, they're just very more red. So I don't even yeah. think it's a chemical thing. I just think a lot of the, the pressures on on being this sexual being in their, you know, late teens, 20s, it morphs into uh, I'm finally know who I am as a sexual person. I know what I like to do, you know? And as guys, we're just, our dicks are just hard all the time. So we're just trying to fuck when we're young, you know? So that's, they've, they've found their voice is what you're saying. 
They've gone up enough times. They've done enough yes. open mics and, and tried to, you know, tried to not be themselves and be somebody else. Like, oh, I think this will work. You know? And then it, it just doesn't feel right. And then after enough repetitions, they uh -huh. get up there. They're like, all right, this joke works. This joke doesn't. Yeah. Let's keep... Uh, <laughs> With, My with, armchair analysis. Uh, I know how I'm to get. Not, I know how to get laughs now. I, I know, know where the a, laughs are going to come. There's a scientist somewhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> actually, the serotonin and dopamine in the woman's brain doesn't. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, if there are scientists <laughs> listening to this podcast, <laughs> well, that's not how it works. Yeah. I've never had sex. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to have to do an episode about scientists fucking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> scientists fuck. That's all. Like, yeah, if, you're a, if you're in Antarctica, man, that's all you can that's do. That's a taboo topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one talks it's about the outside. scientists. You can't do shit. You're waiting for that ship to come back and give you supplies, and it's just you and that fucking lab tech. <laughs> you ran out of alcohol and weed months ago. Like, yeah. I won't tell if you won't. Yeah, I'm fucking. We're in Antarctica. Basically, a bunch of band geeks and shit. Like, <laughs> I've, I've, back for that I've had sex with a couple band geeks, and that American Pie shit is through my tiny, once again, through my limited experience, is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Truth and comedy, man. And that's, and I think that's what we keep coming back to with this uh, is that. You know, if you're gonna do relationship jokes, don't don't stretch for the joke. Don't like, like start from a place of truth and then go yeah. from there and then build on that. Like if it's in a conversation, it's not hack it makes considering you. Considering it's just so relevant that it's gonna be something you want to write jokes about. So as long as you have your own unique perspective, it's fine. That's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it truthful to you yeah, as a real? writer? Yeah. Yeah. I just heard something interesting too. Uh, it was uh, Trevor Noah. He was talking about he got to work with uh, Dave Chappelle. And he was saying he was, uh, you know, it's Dave Chappelle, so he's like, "What the? F what am I even doing here? Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you're you're opening up, but of course everybody's here to see Dave and blah blah blah." And he said Dave just kind of gave him a little, little tidbit of info, and he was like, "Look, man, like don't worry about being funny. You're already funny. You know what I mean?" He was like, "Just be interesting," and that really kind of resonated in my head, like especially when we're in the middle of punchlines. And like we're talking about doing relationship stuff. Sometimes if it's dry or you're searching for that tag or you're just up there and you're not necessarily killing, if you could be engaging and interesting, that's kind of been like, that's kind of helped me through a lot of shows. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not exactly like whatever, but for whatever reason, people are still listening. And yeah. if you got that. Then if then that that dude that's a big part of that that once again it's a counterintuitive thing that I mean you know it but you're we're always thinking it'd be funny you're you're not sitting down with a piece of paper like how can I be interesting <laughs> you know what I mean it's not so it's not like that but I found that that that's a big being interesting being likable uh, it was this other thing yeah. I heard um which I've said this before but uh it it was so profound uh, Steve Harvey talks about this uh. Uh, once you learn how to make them laugh, then to learn how to live in the silences and learn how to bring it down. And like that's another one that's like a super big deal. Like, ah, but then bring it down and then kind of let it float at sea level for a minute and then slowly kind of bring it back up. And at that point, you're just being a conductor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that that's a whole new part of it. To once again, you're not on stage like looking at yourself, do your... Do your laundry list. <laughs> You're not doing this out of body experience. You're in it with the audience, yeah. like you all are are having that. You're on this journey, and it ain't gonna always be like that. Because I mean, 
when you do enough shows, work becomes work, you know. Yeah. Even even porn stars, you know, oh, I don't feel like going to work today, you yeah. know. Yeah. So <laughs> eventually, yeah. everything becomes a job. But <sighs> it's, I gotta fuck again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice, <laughs> you know. So yeah, but to to be able to get into those those spaces, that's that's what helps these jokes and what we're talking about today, relationships in particular. Just keep it interesting, you know, because. Yeah, like the the sex stuff is obvious, or or the certain other stuff. But yeah, if you could just engage people, yeah. And then when you get people's minds working like that, that Shaquille O'Neal joke is so funny because you're literally picturing Shaquille in that green jersey, flat on his feet, like he's not like doing anything. And then contrasting that with a man in his late forties who's like, all right, I'll, all right, honey, we'll make love, but, you know. I, I need the icy hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not nailing you to the back of the headboard, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're, we're, I'm, we're putting enough work for you not to yeah. get on Instagram and stalk your ex afterwards. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what that real magic, like what you were saying just before, that was the real magic of comedy for me is when you really are engaged with the audience, they're like howling, laughing, and you are looking at them, yeah. and you're relating, and the joke is really funny. Everything's working on all cylinders. That's where comedy for me is like optimal. Yeah, it's like, yeah. That's that's when it gets into that realm of that rock star shit. That that better than sex shit. Yeah, you're 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 a magician. You're a conductor, and you are relating. You are in a relationship with the audience. It's energy, man. That mm. transfer of energy, like just being able to feel the back and forth, and and that's and the jokes grow on stage when you do that like you'll you'll yeah. come up with some or it'll get condensed that thing we were talking about the other day we were uh we were hanging out at hilarities and you he was talking about how a comic does a joke and i was talking about that rule of two it was chris rock i had heard that from i remember that with that clip that we were uh listening to because it was, for some reason if you say things twice it'll resonate with an audience you'll mm-hmm. say it and then they'll, they'll just be there but then you'll say it again and just, uh, I don't know. the You've created a pattern now. Right, right. Yeah, and, and human beings, pattern recognition yeah. is the way our brains work, you know? So just to, to, to put that in somebody's head and then they're like, oh, this guy is funny. Yeah. I'm not just waiting for my friend to go up. <laughs> yeah. When's Luther going on? <laughs> <laughs> we came here for Luther. Uh, all right. I really want to take a pee break. <laughs> so this part of the podcast, like we kind of do it a little bit backwards. We uh, we introduce our guests at the very end. Um, so uh, so you are I mean, a breach, baby. <laughs> yeah, dude. Everything backwards, man. <laughs> I'm trying to work that into the vid. I swear. Um, but uh, but you're obviously a student of the game, you know. Uh, you 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 have a lot of knowledge. You do your research. You do your you. I mean, it's wasn't a purposeful. It was yeah. one of those. I, I literally suck at everything in life. Like, I've, I, and not to be like that, but honestly, like I've 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 never been good at sports. I did not finish school. I suck at relationships. Like, this was one thing that that I've. This is one thing that I just actually. I don't necessarily want to say it was good at, but like it it's it's. You, there's something there. You can feel it there. And I always wanted to do it, but it was like one of those things. I've told this story before. It, it felt like me telling my family and friends that I wanted to be like an astronaut or something <laughs> or, or a cowboy. You know, it just it yeah. felt so frivolous like that. You, I was embarrassed to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so then you go into your, your <clears throat> jobs of, OK, I'll do this and do that. And then 
and then the time just goes by super quick. And before I knew it, I still I still felt 16 and I was 35, 36. Yeah. And not knowing what the fuck I wanted to do. And then meanwhile, having conversations with friends at work and stuff. And then, man, that was funny. What comic said that? And it's something that you just made up on the spot. And you hear that enough. And then on top of that, you see certain comedy and you're like, well, I could at least do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I was like, I can do that. And I fucking did it. So fuck you. <laughs> you're just about to Insert drop a name. Right name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how long have you been doing it now? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Yeah. When was the, the, the first time you went up? Like, what was that like? What got, what made you take that plunge? I, it was, I was, I got fired from a job. I felt, I was I was going nowhere. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I had the girlfriend I have now, I had actually her and two other people, I had told them that comedy was my dream and I wanted to. And she she's such a sweetheart. She's like, well, you should just do it. You got to do it. And, that, and of course, now I start flailing. And, yeah. <laughs> I, start fl- I just start flailing. And I'm like, well, no. I And then she looks up on her phone and she was, because I was, because I remember I, I walked up to Pickwick and Frolic once, walked up to the sign, there was somebody standing there and I did some self-defeated like, you won't have me here, will you? And then of course they said something like no and then I walked away and that was that was me trying comedy. <laughs> like, And then so years later I told my girlfriend this, you know, dream I wanted to do it and she... And I was like, well, I tried, and there's just it's just nowhere to do it in Cleveland. And she got on her phone, Googled something, and five seconds later, Funny Stop has a competition, and there you go. Yeah. Did you was that did you win that the first Funny Stop competition you did? Yeah. yeah. I, I I I got into it right before so my birthday is at the end of April. I got into I called Funny Stop in March. I had my first set like a couple weeks before my birthday in april and then uh i did okay he didn't call my name but pete i remember he walked up to me and he was like come back next week and then i came back and then i was in the running for the contest and you know how that goes just yeah. weeks and weeks and weeks so finally it was like final semifinals wherever the fuck and then by that june or whatever i ended up winning the thing and i was like well, well i'll be famous in two months yeah <laughs> crushing it <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it was beginners my naiveness has helped me through a lot of shit you know what i mean like i me going in just like well i'll just sit here and think of some shit and go up and i, I would never do that now but I, I i literally wrote that thing performed it in my head and the first time i performed it was that time and it was like oh and then that was like that became my special set that I never wanted to do, and I only end up doing it a handful of times. But it was like a uh, baseball joke. Or something. <laughs> yeah, you have a good. You have a good you've, you you're great at like doing like nobody. I still struggle with public speaking, but you sound very natural, and you uh, are funny. So it's like you have a great combination there, and that's yeah. why you hit the ground running. It seemed like. Yeah, I think yeah. well, part of it too, uh, like the service <laughs> industry thing, being a service industry. Like, uh, I've talked to Mary Santora, uh, shout out to super comic Mary Santora. I've talked to her about this because she worked in the service industry for years and being a bartender. And I was like, a lot of bartending, like you're talking to drunk people, you're trying to project your voice, you're trying to engage somebody, uh, is so a a lot of that skill set is in there. And, and once again, it's just this. I think it was, you know, it's the 40-year-old virgin. Once you finally get in there, you're like, well, I'm in it now, so let me stretch my feet out and see what we can do. Yeah. And, I, and I just, 
I just, I mean, it's cliche, but I just want to be good, man. Like, like that's why, like, I love like Chris Rock shit. Like, yeah. I love like um, Burr and Carlin and uh, somebody who I never really mentioned that much, but who is a shit to me is like Pat Oswalt. Like, mm. his shit, it seems to, it just. It just goes. I could just listen to that dude talk, and he'll talk about relationships, or he'll talk about stuff, or with his wife recently dying, he'll talk about that. But especially like being a being a, a, a white dude, like um, certain white comics, or a lot of white comics, like uh, with black comics, like of course sometimes our shit gets into like a, like a fat comic or Amy Schumer. You know, Amy Schumer's talking about sex again. Fat comics talking about, about you know being fat. Black comics, we talk about our experience being black, which I do that a lot. Yeah. But I like listening to, to Pat Oswalt, somebody like that, who's talking about something that isn't this stick niche thing. I mean, yeah, he'll talk about certain comic book nerdiness stuff of being a nerd and shit like that. But I just, I just like seeing people's process of of pulling jokes out of somewhere that's not immediately obvious, and also yeah. not not purposely obscure either. You're not talking about, you know. Yeah you know, the atomic mass of some bullshit. You know what I mean? It's like it's like, like the joke the guy had about, you know, this different age difference. Just that seemed like a brand new joke. And we've probably heard age jokes in so many different ways. But that's that felt like a brand new premise. And I love listening to people who can do that because then I start thinking like, well, how the fuck... You push yourself. Man, it's yeah, like, it's like an Outkast album. When I used to listen to Outkast, as opposed to the other rap that was out at the time, like, how the fuck did they come up with this? I just mm-hmm. love that. I just mm-hmm. and not different for the sake of being different, but just like everybody's over here. What the fuck are they doing over here? They're doing what's real to them, and it yeah. resonates, that resonates, man. It's that truthfulness that that's, resonates. That's why they blew up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back yeah. to that, man. It's all, it's all, it always goes back to truth, man. Yeah, um, man. John, I appreciate you being on this show. Um, this Thanks has been for a lot having of fun. me, man. Yeah, I yeah, mean, we could do this for another hour, yeah, quite yeah. honestly. Um, Tell me, Joe Rogan, it up. We'll be here till yeah, six. right. right. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be tomorrow. <laughs> I've missed work. I'm so yeah. Let's all smoke weed and fucking let's do Break this. Break out your astronaut diapers. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be here for yeah. a while. <laughs> uh, John, where can we find you on social media? Uh, I am at John Armstrong Comedy on Instagram and John Armstrong on Facebook. And I can't do Twitter just because I, I can't. I want to, but. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's not fun. Oh, God. It's uh, just, oh, it's, God. It's, it, feel, it feels so contrived sometimes. But I, you, uh, oh, Well, that's the other thing. I didn't get on social media until after I started this comedy mm-hmm. thing, which was relatively late, and I only did it for the comedy. And it's a necessary so evil. It was so much stuff that, once again, my nice girlfriend had to walk me through because I would. it would be some dumb political post, and then I'd be like, that's not true, and i start like typing <laughs> something. Just, John, 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 no, this is how this thing is. Don't. Yeah. Don't engage Don't in everything. Right. <laughs> All right, so before we get into that. Because <laughs> that's a whole other worm, uh, can of worms. Uh, Steve, you are? At Steven Mers on Twitter, at Steve Mers uh, Instagram, Steve Mers everywhere else. <laughs> Steve Mers in person. Right. Uh, I am uh, the David Horning on, on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, this has been You Can't Laugh at That. And if you're a comedian, I don't know, uh, maybe there was something here that you could learn and uh, and work into jokes about your relationship. Um, but no matter what it is, remember to get on stage, be truthful, be honest, and uh, most of all, make people laugh. Because you can, in fact, Bing. laugh at that. Yes. Wait, you can? 
you can. Okay. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod, or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That, and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.